We're going to be talking firstly about a brand new uh, service, is the term that I came mm. to at the, at the start of the show, uh, that has been uh, introduced at a pretty vital time for musicians. It's called NetGeeks. Uh, I feel like the name could have been a bit catchier. Could have. I mean, uh, anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. Like, they, they've, the, the, the idea is great. NetGeeks, yeah, probably could have. I think it's a, a, a twist on Netflix. I think that's what they've done. Yeah, yeah. It's been net gigs. So it's internet gigs if you needed me to break it down a bit gigs further for you. on the internet. Gigs on the internet. Uh, it's, it's an Australian pay-per-view live streaming service, essentially. So it's a paid service and artists will go on and they'll be like, hey guys, I'm doing a, a net gig stream this Friday at 7pm. Some people can go on, log into your account, I guess. You pay to watch the stream and it's just another form of income for artists yeah which is very lacking at the time because obviously there's no live music definitely and, and importantly it's not so similar to Netflix like you've said that it, that it follows a subscription or it's on, like on demand of, yeah, yeah like you pay $12 a month and you get access to all these gigs you pay per event to the artist think of it like a, a if you're into UFC or something like that every time they do their big fight nights you know the main events yep. you got to pay through pay-per-view to watch it. So it's like that, but on the internet. Yep. And um, as, as we've spoken about so much on the show before, live music uh, in, the, in the digital era um, has really been one of the only ways that artists can make ends meet. Um, obviously, no one's buying CDs anymore. And as we've talked about a lot, streaming services like Spotify, YouTube Red, uh, Apple Music, Tidal, etc., uh, do not pay artists a, a good enough amount of money and nowhere near a good enough amount of money. I mean, you have to get tens of millions of plays to actually, you know, like amass any kind of fortune, let alone, um, you know, anything beyond that, not the rock stars that we might have known from yesteryear. So it's very hard. Uh, it's a very difficult climate as it was. Live music was the only way that artists and their merch sales could make money. And of course, with COVID-19, Live music uh, events were the first to close and will be undoubtedly one of the very last to reopen. Um, not, not until next year, uh, some estimates, yeah. just because of the way. I mean, currently you can get, what, 50 people in pubs and clubs indoors, but whether they actually translate to music or not is another thing. Yeah, and like, I mean, not only that, even if we were able to, to figure a way out figure out a way where we could have live music say in a, in a venue I mean the whole atmosphere of the event would be so different because mm. you're obviously not going to be allowing someone to be crowd surfing or big moshing up the front I mean I don't know how you exactly you would marshal a crowd like that but you can guarantee that it wouldn't be the same as the carefree days uh, that were 25 years ago <laughs> it feels like uh, well, where, a- where you could just bump around in the, at the front and listen to your favourite band well, that's the thing too. In pubs and clubs and cafes, they are still enforcing social distancing. Yes. It's hard to do that at a live music event. It's, it's near impossible. Yeah. I mean, like, without fundamentally changing the nature of live music, which yeah. is, of course, why we go to, to see these events. Uh, but NetGeeks comes in at a perfect time, um, and we're hoping. I mean, this is a brand new service that we only just found out about via an email. No, today. No less today. I came through. So. Yeah. Uh, and basically, like we said, it's going to allow them to stream content. Um, however, it's going to go through the NetGeeks platform and therefore use professional production equipment. Um that NetGeeks can provide or directly from your smartphone too, but I'm sure NetGeeks are going to help out making 
in making that, uh, you know, mm. a decent show. So imagine what has been going on uh, a lot through Instagram Live lately yeah. and Facebook Live. You dare say that's a catalyst for this sort of yeah. thing. They've seen how successful it is, even like Isolate Festival, yep. for example, things like that. And they've gone, oh, yeah, let's jump on this. And even so, they've even got like some, some high quality sort of media outlets on board too. Channel 7, Channel yep. 9, Channel 10 have all jumped on board. Uh, News Corp and Fairfax Media yeah, so as well, I believe. So Southern Cross the stereo nova so all homebrewed <laughs> homebrewed we're yeah. a part of it <laughs> uh, so all these sorts of major media companies are jumping on board which is promising yeah definitely and it, it's a pretty sophisticated service this is actually an australian uh, australian platform as well which is cool um it's going to offer pay-per-view as we've mentioned it's going to offer obviously the collection of royalties by artists and obviously the artists will make money uh i believe it's um 60 to 80 percent of the money depending on the region and, and a few variables that is spent on the pay-per-views goes to them. Yep, and um, they will collect up to 20% of royalties as well, depending on... Yeah. So they get 60 to 80% of the pay-per-view revenue and then 20% of royalties, Yeah. roughly, depending on the region yeah, and yeah. the artist and everything else. And we're going to have to see how this unfolds and we will, we'll probably end up taking a deeper dive, a deeper dive into... You know, the, how those percentages yeah. stack up and how that stacks up for artists. like but, a three, six month later... Yeah, like a review that you see like on a smartphone yeah, review and yeah. then six months later, let's see how And we're known for keeping you updated yeah. and rolling stories. I mean, we're about, yeah, to, do one. We're about to do one after this, uh, believe it or not. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds pretty good, but we do know, I mean, you, you have to let these things play out in real life to see how well that money translates, mm. you know, into the artist's pocket because there are, of course, many hurdles and hoops and middlemen that um, will all, all want a bit. Um, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully it does look positive that it's going to um, allow artists to actually make some good money. I mean, I would without a doubt pay to see my yep. favourite bands play a live performance digitally. Um, of, of course, I mean, in this email, they, they, they are talking <laughs> about live streaming being the future of gigs. And, and I mean, I, I don't tend to agree with that because no. I don't think, as we just talked about, you can really match the, the, the live performance yeah. atmosphere. I think it's the, a little bit experience, too stretched. The, yeah, that kind of stuff. But, but I mean, they're that, trying to sell something, I guess. It's PR. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give them a pass. It's good PR as well. Yeah. Uh, another really cool thing about this as well, um, it's going to have digital rights management, which basically allows um, artists to like safely secure their, like encrypt what they're doing and et cetera, et cetera. It's going to have um, analytics so they can look at uh, in the same way that an artist on Spotify would have analytics as to who's watching from where. Um, it'll have e-commerce, which means that they can sell merch through the platform too, which That's is really another way of them yeah. earning money. Uh, yeah, I think you can sell merch and like anything an artist sells, they can Even like sell CDs and stuff as well, I think they can sell. Yeah, yeah. So like that's really good as well, especially if you're doing like a rabbit hole jumping down type thing mm. uh, like Isolate and you find a new artist, you've got access to their merch immediately, which means you're more likely to go and pick something up if you're really enjoying what you're hearing. Mm. Um, and uh, as well as that, you it, it's going to be, you know, semi-interactive for fans. So they will be able to... Um, interact with one another and I'm not 100% sure but you know I'm sure there will be some line of contact to the artist too well, so I, I know I, when I was watching like Cousin Tony's Brand New Firebird on Isolate um, a couple of weeks ago I didn't say anything because I was nervous <laughs> but he, he was there and he was uh, playing you know whatever song he was playing yeah. at the time and he was reading what artists uh, what fans were saying to him yeah. which was really cool because it made the whole experience feel a whole lot more intimate like he yep. is actually listening to you I've seen the cool. same thing with Holy Holy when Oscar Dawson and Ali Bardo were doing their live stream videos they were just eating lunch and doing a live stream on Instagram so I imagine 
that in, it'll work similar to Instagram in that sort of way or a Facebook Live type video where people can comment and they can read the comments, they can reply to it. So yeah, it does seem like it's going to be very interactive, uh, very professional in terms of the production yeah. quality as well, which I guess is why it's a pay-per-view type thing as opposed to just an Instagram Live. It's yeah. not just them in their bedroom with an acoustic guitar in front of their phone. Like there's, there's something a bit more to it. Um, I mean, we saw... Which is the incentive to pay. Yeah, and we saw with... Uh, what was the event? I can't remember the name of the event. That big global one. The... You, you were, uh, watching yeah. snippets of it. I can't remember the name of it. But essentially, it was like a COVID uh, huge fundraiser, similar to like... The Fo Australian or the American one? The American one. Oh. Uh, either or, actually. The Australian no, one the Australian was one, yeah. Home on the Home Front. Home on the Home Front, yeah. So it was a, a, a combined ANZAC COVID-19 fundraiser that they did online... Um, obviously, uh, and, and it was broadcast on television. But what you had was an, a number of artists, well-known, like Tones and I were there. I think, um, I don't know if Powderfinger were there, but I'm... Courtney Barnett. Jimmy Barnes. Um, um, Hilltop <laughs> Hoods. Birds of Tokyo. Birds of Tokyo. There was a whole bunch of... Bliss uh, and Esso. Bliss and Esso. They had a really good production. They did. Have, I feel like this so is what you're getting to. This towards. is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So when you looked through that, there wasn't a consistency of production when they were all hash together so one thing that we noticed was Bliss and Esso for example had this they had like he was rapping on a his beautiful Gold Coast balcony overlooking the ocean with a drone filming him and then professional cameras up close also yeah. filming him which was awesome uh, and then to Courtney, Courtney Barnett. Barnett yeah it was like had her iPhone set up and I mean like she, she did the best she could she, she, it was still a good job but obviously when you're cutting from one to the other yeah. and there's such inconsistencies in the production it, it does make it not as nice to watch and this is where net gigs might make it you know a, a far more polished experience because obviously the consumer wants a good product they're not going to come back if you know it's a badly recorded iphone mm. you know kind well, of setup you're paying for it too definitely you're like i definitely. just got this on instagram so yeah yeah which Technically, still could they could still do quite a professional setup. Even like the Sea Gypsies, they did an Instagram Live and Facebook Live video. They, they had a and really their good setup. setup. Was really good. So, but yeah. Whereas previously, the onus has kind of been on the artists. I think Net Gigs, what they're trying to do is is ensure that there is good production across the board. Like I said, they're going to offer artist production equipment to use. I mean, I think they still can do the iPhone thing, but uh, I'm sure what we're going to see is a far more polished setup, especially as you said, when they know that people are paying for it. You know, mm. at the end of the day, that is a product. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, the idea is to give, we'll put more money in the pockets of these artists who are really suffering at the moment with no live music. Because yeah. we know touring is a very vast majority of their revenue. Yeah, and, and so we're really hoping that this actually turns out to be something quite good. Um, mm. and, and what it represents at least is a recognition from the music industry that they need to be ahead of the curve when it comes to these technological advancements in music. Now, we know how, you know, the advent of internet file sharing well, caught, yeah. caught traditional I feel like music media by surprise, as did Spotify. Music have a very love-hate relationship with the internet. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's an awesome tool for them, but it's meant that their revenues have dropped dramatically. And uh, a lot of it, and a lot of what we've seen in technology in general has been a lot of people very stubbornly putting their head in the sand and refusing to adapt to change see video easy um but but this represents a, you know a, a kind of shift in thinking which i mean at the very least means we're going to see music pushing to be at the forefront of these new technological advancements and hopefully that translates into more money in the uh, in the in the pockets of artists who have been ripped off 
forever and a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. F- fingers crossed that it does work out the way they're planning and it's not just the PR that's making us get all excited. And if it is, we'll have a music news story <laughs> about it and we will be fuming. <laughs> you will get the update for that, I'm sure. Uh, speaking of updates and lack of funding and money <laughs> in artists' pockets, let's talk about the big hiccup that the government went through recently. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought this is worth... Now, we, we have also had state government announcement for arts, which is good, and I'm going to talk about that too. But uh, you may have heard over the last few days, um, the mother of all uh, accounting (laughs) stuff-ups. Now, I'm pretty sure I heard Jim Chalmers on the news just before our radio show started um, that he was saying it was the worst... It was something like the worst... (laughs) He said it quite funny, the worst accounting or the worst numbers uh, blunder in the history of the Australian Commonwealth. Um, which I found really funny, but Big it call. is it is massive. Essentially, the government, um, to make a long story short, has has grossly overcalculated how much and how many businesses were relying on the JobKeeper payment for their staff uh, because of a poorly worded question in the application form, which led to um, uh, businesses listing not the amount of staff which they were meant to the amount of staff that we're going to be receiving the payment, but the amount of the payment that we'll be receiving. So when you're saying 10 staff, they actually wrote down 1,500, which is a <laughs> fortnightly payment. Um, <laughs> you can imagine how that's led to a $60 billion miscalculation, meaning now, and I am aware, I am aware that the money is borrowed, um, and I am aware that that all works in its own weird way. However, the government had accounted on spending $130, uh, <laughs> $130 billion <laughs> on the JobKeeper payment that has since been almost halved to $70 billion, uh, meaning there is $60 billion that they had thought they had spent that was already, that the, the nation had already uh, accepted, was borrowed, it was okay, you know, do it. Um, it was going to help people who need it. Uh, and now that's there for them to potentially redirect. Um, and so... And where would you like that money redirected to, Eamon? I'll give I have you a guess. three guesses. <laughs> it might have something to do with the arts and music. I think it might. Well, That's why we're talking about it on this show. Yeah, unfortunately, the federal government does not have an impressive track record when it comes to the arts. Um, we've complained and moaned about this consistently on the show because, unfortunately, we have a government that doesn't seem to recognise the uh, both cultural and economic value of a thriving arts community in this country. They so didn't care <laughs> about it that they actually, uh, Scott Morrison in a cabinet reshuffle, uh, merged, well actually abolished the Department of Communications and the Arts uh, and then restructured it, rolling it into a super department called the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Communications. So, uh, I mean, to give you any insight into how this government federal government sees the importance of the arts, you look no further than that. It was rolled into a super department. Of course, we know how that all works. It's the same um, the, the same principle that kind of is how many students are in a class, you know. The more students in a class, the less individual teacher time they get and the more their learning suffers. You can apply that same with uh, government portfolios. The more, the more one minister has to look after, especially when it ranges from roads to live performances <laughs> and infrastructure, the less they're going to care about each individual issue. And I um, mean, when you're ideologically opposed to the arts, which it often seems like, um, of course, they're going to get put in the back burner. And that's what we've seen. There's been arts funding has been suffering um, for years in this country. I was reading something before 
in the decade from 2007 to, uh, leading up to 2017, 2018, um, funding for the arts dropped 4.9%. Um, which is, you know, massive in real money terms. Uh, and, yeah, it, it doesn't really look like anything's changing on that level, um, despite the fact that, according to the government's own figures, arts and culture, uh, which uh, apparently lifestyle choices, contribute $111.7 billion to the economy each and every year. And, I mean, I've spoken about this passionately before because I really do believe it. There's... Uh, uh, there's a value like that, the number value that you can put on arts and culture in this country. And there's also the more subtle value in terms of creating attractive and vibrant and thriving communities. You know, we don't want to simply be economic units that exist in cities to go to and from work. I mean, it's the same argument with lockout law. It's the same argument with, you know, everything that we've kind of passionately opposed from from a legislative perspective on this show before. It's, you know, you want your people to be happy first of all, which live music and performance and arts does. You also want there to be, you know, expression and that artistic side to a society and a community because we all know what it looks like when, you know, that's stripped of it. It's, it's grey, it's bland, it's boring. Um, and naturally, and when you have that sort of thriving, you know, social group, if you will, like the, the city, the town, the area, whatever it is, when you've got that sort of, it's booming, naturally the economic side takes care of itself. Exactly. I it mean, works out. You get both. You get people out and about. You get people keen. You get people, you know, going and stopping to get a meal on their way to the gig or yeah. on their way home from the gig and paying for the cab and the Uber and stuff. It has huge effects that go beyond that initial dollar value. And, and beyond that, I mean, people, it makes people happy. Like, well, why is the government there? They're not just there to balance the budget. They're there to create a society for their people that, that you know, re results in a, in a happy population and healthy and stoked people. I mean, why are we here? Why do we do this radio show? It's it's the same principle because we care about this stuff. So it's been really, really disheartening to see um, that kind of ruled out. So that $60 billion, I mean, they've signaled that it might be used in tourism. There's been really zero mention of the arts. They haven't articulated any kind of like coherent policy response for the arts at a federal level, um, which is really disappointing, I think. Uh, I don't think it was state. I think $28 million was all that was offered um, to the art sector nationally. Uh, and when you look at the billions of dollars being thrown around elsewhere, I mean, I've, I think $500 million went to the airlines alone. You can understand how that is a real slap in the face. Um, the, uh, I can't remember, the, what was the group named? Lifeformance Australia had been lobbying the government for a $650 million package, um, which puts in perspective how different it is. Live Music Australia obviously did their homework. Maybe they were a bit ambition. Maybe they could have just done $500 million, but you, you kind of get where we're coming from here. Um, there's been a really interesting tool called I Lost My Gig that they set up pretty much as soon as the coronavirus hit. Um, and the combination of the pandemic and the bushfires uh, have cost artists across the country $340 million in lost income. Um, New South Wales alone accounts for more than $133 million of that um, and that brings us nicely to some positive funding news to round us off, and that is that on a state level, at least, the New South Wales uh, government has announced a $50 million cash injection to help get it through coronavirus. It's going to be delivered in two phases. Um, they don't... The, the, the second phase hasn't quite been 
outlined yet. The first phase uh, is going to be the state's not-for-profit arts and cultural organisations um, are going to have uh, funding available so that they can hibernate temporarily, is the words of the government, um, the state government. Uh, the funding will also be available in the coming months to not-for-profits uh, uh, to restart operations. Um, after the pandemic has kind of passed and health and safety restrictions are eased, which is great. Um, yeah, phase two, we're not 100% about. Um, and, I mean, I suppose importantly, it's, it's... I mean, to their credit, this state government has... We have seen, I mean, and it's not been without tireless effort from a lot of people in the community, but they have seemed to kind of warm to the importance of arts. Um, and in their statement, they did um, say they recognise the important contribution the arts and culture sector makes to the New South Wales economy as well as the community's well-being, particularly during challenging times. And that's an interesting point too, because it's what we've all turned to to cope. That's is our I, music and yeah. our movies and our art. Like that, it's it's what people are consuming that's keeping them kind of happy. That's what I was going to say. I find interesting when you see the government pointing the finger, well, like in a good way, like being, hey, look at the good thing that, you know, the music on the home front, at home on the home front, for example, that the concert that took place, you know, yeah. virtually like over the look at what firefight, firefight things like that. The government are quick to be like, oh, hey, look how good this is. Yeah. They, they're very hesitant to put funding on it. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's like we said before, it's like the, they find it hard to really see the, the benefit of it in that real dollars and cents kind of way, but it, there's a whole lot more to it than that. But this $50 million is great. Um, it's looking like it's going to help out the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, um, Opera Australia, uh, Australian Chamber Orchestra, City Theatre Company, those kind of groups. Um where whether or not it's getting directed into like real specific live music avenues or whether artists are going to like get help from that that's more of a federal thing and that's where the frustration still lies i mean we've been to this before a lot of artists haven't don't work for employers consistently enough to qualify for job keeper and in some mm. cases because of freelancing and other things don't even qualify for job seeker um so many which means that lost. there's so many people have just been hung out to dry uh in the art sector and unfortunately what we're going to see is a lot of people walking away from the industry entirely i mean by the time it returns to normal it'll be a few years and people have to get on with their lives so we're not only seeing these people hung out to dry we're going to see a mass exodus of really talented people from the industry too which is um concerning to say the least uh but yeah, it's 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 great in the state to see actually money being finally, um, you know, going where it needs to go. Unfortunately, it was too late to save Carriage Works, which I don't think we've actually talked about on the show, um, which was a fantastic performance venue in Sydney. Uh, it was a old railway. Um, I don't think they called hangers like planes, mm. but uh, you know, like a. Carriage Works, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> uh, hence the name, uh, which held a, a range of events from the Sydney Fashion Week to live gigs to everything in between. Um, that entered administration uh, earlier in May um, and it cited the irreparable loss of income due to the health crisis and they had received not a shred of support from the government um, throughout. So, I mean, there looks like there will be a future for Carriage Works in one way or another, but it won't be the way we've known it, unfortunately, and that's already... A loss. Yeah, off the bat. I think I think that'll be similar to quite a few places as well. Depending on how long it takes them to actually get back to, you know, normal operation. We've seen it with the yeah. cafes and restaurants and everything else as well. The smaller ones always seem to be the ones that suffer the most from these sorts of things. But um, that will wrap up our music news 